Hello, hello, and welcome to the very first Art Proof podcast. Um, I hope it will be the first of many. Art Proof is an idea conceived by myself, Eric Thorpe. I work as an arts journalist. Nicholas Stavry, who works in contemporary art in various capacities, and Rowan Newton, who is a painter. And we basically wanted to create a platform where we could talk to people in art that we found interesting, and I hope that you guys will find it interesting too. Uh, this first episode is a conversation with artist John Costi. John is part of this year's Young London exhibition at V22. And as well as making art, John works on a lot of social and community projects in the area that he grew up in. Over the next hour, we talk a lot about art and graffiti and how they coexist in this slightly clunky way and about how art can be used as a means of rehabilitation. We also talk to John about his slightly unorthodox path into contemporary art, his time behind bars and how he feels he fits into the current creative landscape. Uh, Sadly for this episode, Rowan couldn't make it, so we were joined by Lima-based journalist Alex Horton who's been working on a documentary in Burkina Faso about rehabilitation in prisons there. Um, We've had a lot of fun making this podcast. Uh, Apologies for the slightly shoddy audio, um, but we hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we did making it. Graffiti for me was always the direct sort of... uh, reaction to advertisement and yeah. the sort of bombardment of uh, like nowadays like Wonga or, or Labrooks or yeah. something that makes you feel shit about yourself and I guess I mean all forms of art are, you know going to empower you in some shape or form they're going to give you you're in control you know mm. um, I think that so is this your your first experiences of art was, was through graffiti my first experience my first experiences of art was like um, Aha, Take On Me. Do you remember that video? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, the like, animation, yeah. the stencil drawings, I think. And uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and, yeah, yeah. and you know, stuff like that. And Zap, do you remember Zap? I do. And there was the, an uh, artist the in it. Yeah, it's like comments. <laughs> Robert Crumb has a CRT reader. Yeah, it was. That, oh, shit. That was <laughs> like, and there, there's a Robert Crumb comic called Zap as well. It was like, it was like you jump from square to square. Yeah, it's like kind of a TV remote. Press the button yeah. and yeah. go into a, into a channel. I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that. That stuff there, I mean, when I was watching it, I didn't really realise. I mean, when I was a kid and that, I'd always... My brothers and that loved to say the Mega Drive. Yeah. I never really got it. But my mum used to get me um, crayons and, you know, lining paper. Yeah. And I was away. It was always... It was always just a compulsion to... To, to make art or to... Just to fuck with colours, man, and yeah. and um, I can swear, right? I mean, yeah. I have we'll go with it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure out how to get a beat button. Like Only five that. times, that's a quote. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shit, 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 shit. Um, yeah, it was, I think that my early influences on art were sort of, yeah, popular culture, really. Right. Um, not, I didn't grow up in a house of art. Mm. You know, I, I didn't grow up in a house of books, necessarily. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in, in, like, on an estate, Poplar Grove, North London, not Poplar, but it was in North London. And, yeah. uh, you know, m- there was a lot of kids around and I used to like going to CNA. Remember CNA? CNA, yeah. I used to like going there. The, the clothes shop. Yeah, the yeah, clothes yeah. shop. Yeah. And I used to like, like picking up my outfit if I was allowed to. Yeah. It wasn't a hand-me-down. Um, and stuff like that really informed, 
the kind of direction I'm going in now and this kind of idea of working class aesthetic. Yeah. Which is kind of crass, but it's a thing, right? So, when, yeah. when you were studying, what, which artists, were, I suppose you were, you were learning about artists then, they were new to you because it wasn't saying you were around when you were younger. So how, how did they kind of stumble into your life? Well, a lot of the artists that I sort of looked to were socially engaged artists, so I, and I, I've been fortunate enough to work with some of them. I, you know, Jeremy Dowart was a massive influence on me, and I went to the Venice Biennale with him. And he, he's the only artist I cited in my dissertation. The rest of them were like sociologists and like criminologists because yeah. of, um, I'm, I don't really want to make um, stuff that looks good. Okay. I want to I want to make stuff that is um, experiential, you know, and. I know there's a whole problem with sort of uh, ex exclusivity within performance because mm. if you weren't there, you weren't there. But then, how do you make something accessible for just for just the people that were there? And then the work just lives on through documentation, and then it becomes mm. a whole, you know, lovely print or whatever it might be. Yeah. I, I, I mean, even like Tracy Emin, Susan Hiller, um, who else do I really like? Um, Jean-Michel Basquiat, when I first found that guy, yeah, I was, I was in Felton prison right. and uh, the, the art teacher sent it to myself and I never really saw Beyond Graffiti before that point, you know, because it wasn't like, oh, I couldn't really leave my area because of the way that I lived, unless I was going to paint. Yeah. And um, then I, when I discovered this guy, Samo, who took it beyond, I thought, okay, I would, by this point I was like writing graffiti yeah. in like Japanese characters and my tag was okay. Death Money Bacon. And like, yeah, like, <laughs> uh, and um, that kind of... So is it quite a sort of revelatory moment when you realise that people can do graffiti and make art as well? It's not just this, you have to follow these rules that graffiti sort of instills. It's weird how graffiti is with the rules thing as well because yeah. you want to have the straight lines and you want to have this but you want to have the funk and there's, and there's all these kind of, yeah there are rules within it but it's like the only place when you study art, yeah. you know you come out knowing less about it and it's the only place where, like graffiti is the only place where you don't have to justify it. But it's saying that sort of so non-conformist but have so many rules, yeah. you know? so it's kind of... Yeah that was, that was everything for me, you know I like piecing and that but... Yeah. I'd love to, I, just, I just love aggressive tag so, um, Ears not saying tagging's the buttery essence of graffiti it's that, that's, that, that, that's that food boot there that's that, that's that you know scheme in Star Wars and he's like yeah, I'm yeah, doing yeah. it for nobody yeah, else yeah. everybody says oh I like graffiti me you, you don't like graffiti bro you like the street art yeah. Yeah, you move to Shoreditch and then you grasp on me for catching a tag on your ass everything is a lot less sort of crime orientated now where graffiti Which is probably, is, uh, probably good. It was an outlaw lifestyle, you know. Yeah. I think why it attracted young men in particular to it's like it's a big fuck you. Even you know? like it's a skateboarding thing. You yeah. know, going to like if you were skating around sort of Saint Paul's to South Bank yeah. and all those spots there and when South Bank had the long bank and it went straight through and you know, it was it was it was it was a fraternity. Yeah. And um, a lot of a lot of like people that I, I know that didn't really have older brothers or anything like that, 
they found their older brothers within that community. Yeah. And it saved, you know, it did save a lot of I people. Think the same as skateboarding and graffiti, it has this sort of rich culture of sort of bringing through youngers and sort of, um, sort of mentoring. Yeah. You know, which is, um, it teaches a lot of discipline in that respect, you know, which people don't realise, which I think also translates into having a uh, sort of fine art practice. You know, it teaches you these disciplines that you might not have necessarily learned. But the thing about the fine art thing is you probably read it in the book. Yeah, well, not, no. but not if you're coming from a graffiti background. No. Then it's, it's but the people, it's, it's, uh, people that taught me at CSM, as amazing as they are, yeah. as, as talented as they are, they didn't learn it through bumps and scrapes. No, you know? no. And, 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 that, and that, that, that's kind of the, that's the distinguishing factor, yeah. I feel, with graffiti was like, you know, if you're a graffer, you know, you're, you know, you've got street art and graffiti. Graffiti stands the test of the streets, mm. whereas street art really doesn't. And but I think this is how do you reach that? So graffiti kids or, or, or artists, graffiti artists, you know, I don't like that term, but people making art who come from a graffiti background were never really given, it's always seen as sort of like outsider art, you know, and now um, it's a sort of legitimate path to um, making contemporary art, and it never used to be, you know, I mean, you come from a graffiti background, you've done projects that, um, you know, been to the Venice Biennale, that had stuff in Tate Modern, so it's a more valid route to take you now. Well, it's the, the thing with my practice, it always revolves around freestyle, and, and that comes down to hip-hop. I mean, I remember when I discovered hip-hop yeah. and weed, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing, and like girls and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was like, the, every sort of vein of, even with, with the, the bridge for me, where it goes from graph to sort of fine art, or whatever you want yeah. to call it, there's always going to be this lucidity. And it's the same as, you know, even if you want to like reference a big one, like say Pollock, going into his things, like, and when you find that, that sacred moment, like where it's not even you anymore, like you're just yeah. channeling, that's when it gets really so interesting. So it's just a, a, a place you try and find with your performance stuff, this kind of... Yeah. Um, it's, all, it's all based on that same notion of freestyle yeah. and not sort of an improvisation and not sort of having a, a, an, an end destination. When did you make a transition from graffiti to actually thinking you can start kind of making... This is, this is what I was trying to I mean, you, uh, I don't know how much you want us to talk about your checkered past. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> where I want to go. <laughs> from, from going from a graffiti kid who you a wayward youth doing whatever that landed you in, in jail for a little bit, where you, you completed your degree, didn't you? Well, when I was in prison, I was in prison for three years, and I went there in 2007, and I went, and you know, I hadn't really been writing, and I was just a bomber, yeah. like, I wasn't really like an up graph or like yeah. that, I was just, I just loved bombing, so and I was just about on the culture. So you sort of criminality of... I got into, yeah, I mean, it sort of, it, it progressed naturally, you know, yeah. you know, because everybody around me was sort of up to tricks, and then... Next thing I knew, you know, a lot of shit was, a lot of, oh, I've reached my quarter, a lot of stuff, <laughs> a lot of stuff happened and I was like, oh, I had to take things into my own hands and it wasn't the right thing to do, but it sort of became a blessing in disguise, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm quite explicit, I went to prison for armed robbery and yeah. I got nicked for five armed robberies cool. and um, that, that, well, when I was in prison, is this when you were given the option to study art, or is this or was it something there was another that you well, thought I'd, about before? Or? I'd been well, I'd been expelled from like several like mainstream education schools from crazy stuff, um, 
and uh, we'll leave it at that. And then I went, <laughs> and I went to like pupil referral units, and then yeah. I, I wasn't allowed in a couple of them because of other madness that I got up to. So I was doing outreach stuff. So I'd have to like I'd have people come to my house, or they meet me in a library, or I'd go to like a college. And I start. I went to a college, and I'd done like a sort of you know it was they were basically just chasing us around. Yeah. We were just not as yeah. Um, but it got me into sort of like making stuff and. There I met someone who fully saved my life, her name's Jamie Haggard, big up with status every time, Jamie. She's still doing her thing. And, uh, you know, I, I got onto the wing in Feltham, and when I first time I got onto the wing in Feltham, I got into beef mm. with some kid that, who, you know, we, we'd had problems, he was from a rival estate. And then I was like, shit, this is hard, I did it again, this is hard. And then I remember I had this woman's number, so I got it put on the wing phone. Uh, onto the pin pin right. chip phone and uh, I called her from the wing and I said, look, Jamie, look, I'm I'm in I'm in prison right now and she was like, oh damn and I said, look, I'm gonna get myself from here. I'm gonna get to an open prison. These times I was still on remand. I was on remand for six months because of my case right. was quite big. And what age were you at this point? Nineteen. I was at like eighteen, nineteen. And um, I said to her, look, I'm gonna get to an open prison. Don't worry about it. And she said, look, let me hook you up with this guy called Brian David was at Kensington Chelsea College. So when I managed to find myself in a, in a prison in, but do you know what the maddest thing was? The reason that I got to an open prison was because of the, the governor of Felton knew that I could do graffiti and I painted five pieces for their new healthcare wing. And right. that, then they downgraded my risk. So then, then I was unable to go to this place where I was unable to go out and then study yeah. art. And then while I was there, you know, I came out of prison to do my interview for St. Martin's and uh, yeah. They, they gave me this, they so, gave me on the spot. It was it was kind of mad. Was, was this part of a program at CSM? Nah, this was all me. How does an open prison work? You just have to you sleep at night in the prison. You go out. Yeah, do your thing. It's kind of it's a it's a it's a head f. It, it, yeah. it really does mess you up. You know. You, That's gonna say you can't swear as much. It's a head fuck. <laughs> <part. laughs> it's a fucking head fuck, man. Like you, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're banged up, and you know, there's everything going on in there and whatever. You can get whatever yeah. you want, but. You then, you know, you're surrounded by plastic guardies and skinhead wankers, and and you then you then go out, and then you're surrounded by you know lovely like people who really want yeah. to express themselves, going from an environment about oppression to an environment of expression to an art school. It's pretty liberating that you were given that opportunity, right? Because most prison prisons around the world, no one gives you that light of day, because they're going to fear you're you're going to escape. Well, you get you get released on temporary license, a role, which you know you, 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 now the, the prison that I was in has been closed down now. Um, it was called Latchmere House, and it was yeah. like in between Richmond and Kingston in Southwest. And uh, now it's moved to Brixton, so they have like resettlement wings, mm. is what they call them. And it really did help me because I just I just if I didn't have that sort of focus on my release. Yeah. I would have just gone back to old habits. Mm. And you know, people would always expect you to go back to old habits and they always expect you to you know, I went yeah. through I went through a rebrand when I was in there as well, you know, I was, I was before I was, you know, my nickname. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I might say it, but and then I came out Johnny, no one else no one yeah. used to call me Johnny. Like, only my mum could. And yeah. You call me Johnny I'd be like, what? So you 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 were supposed to be reborn as Johnny. Yeah, for real. For real, like, and I, and that was a conscious so thing. So you that I came out of you came out of prison with a degree with honours. No, I came honors. out of prison and I went, I walked. Okay, and I spent three years in prison and then three years at CSM and I walked yeah. out with straight A's. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So how was it? You know, so you came out of prison straight into studying. Came out in February two ten. Yeah. Wait, but I want to go backtrack. How did 
prison inspire your art? Because you mentioned in your in your dissertation you were looking at criminology as well. I was I was working on uh, my, what was my it was how to reduce reoffending uh, with socially engaged art practice in Britain because the the healing factors of art are just like insurmountable. Yeah. That whole thing was like it, it's, it's 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 so like it's such a huge thing for me like and such a sacred thing for me like the work I do now and, and, and the stuff I'm up to is completely entrenched in that because without without my experience like imagine I went to prison and I didn't do anything about it. Wasting yeah. like do you know what I mean? What was all that what was all that time behind the door for? It was just sitting there. But the majority of the time that's that's what happened. That's the case though, you just go straight back. Mm. You know, I mean, so how, how did it inspire you? I mean, you think of rappers, they spend so much time and they write albums inside there. Well, that's kind of where it, that's where it spawned from because I was sitting in my pad and I was awaiting sentencing and one day they were telling me I was going to get a 10 year sentence the next day they were telling me I'm going to get a 5 year sentence and I had a good brief, I had a good solicitor and that. I was just sitting there and it was, these days it was 24 hour bang up because it was just, right. it's just a horrible gap. So you get an hour to exercise or whatever. Hour to make a phone call, play pool, have a shower, you know, so chat shit to people, whatever. Fucking intense. Yeah, do you know what it's like when there's not a handle on that door? It's not very nice. So you're doing your head in in this. In this so thing. I had to yeah. write. I had to write for my own sanity, and I wrote. I wrote down a list of things. I said, "You should not be in here. You should not be riding 24-hour bang up. You should be uh, on your way to, you know, success. You should be in your Central Saint Martin studio yeah. exploring materials." Later on, f- five years later, I'm in my Central Saint Martin studio, and I found this letter that I wrote to myself. And then I was like, shit, it's the secret, right? Yeah, you know that, <laughs> that positive mental attitude? Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my God, it's actually happened. And then, you know, I need to, I need to, I need to really, really think about that because if I, I should be sitting in, like, in a nice villa right now, really. It's hard because you forget shit out here. But facing your own demons inside that, that room, did you find ins- real inspiration? No, I found, I've, you know, it takes, you know, who was it that said it takes more guts for someone to search the inner depths of their soul than a soldier on a battlefield because yeah. I grew up in a house full of kids. I slept in the same bed as my brother till I was eight years old and my other brother was in the bunk bed above me. I was not used to being on my own at mm. all I, and it drove me mad, like it drove me mad. These times Felton was bad, like you so get they're, they're coming out. the same boat, the 23 hour lockdown? Is this not everyone, not everyone. If you if you had education, like maybe, or if you was a wing cleaner or you worked on service, it was different, but uh, they didn't, you know, they they put me on the wing. Privileges or whatever. Yeah, you get privileges and it just, it takes a while to become established right. on the wing and, and it's, you know, like some of the screws knew that, the, the, like, my, like the mob I was associated with, and they, 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 they just, they just, they just didn't really want to give me the time of day. Right. So they, they, they wouldn't let me. I said based on reputation, dude. Kind of fucked. Monarch, mate. Like, I'm telling you, like, uh, name mm. bells, man. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? It was so mad for me when I come out, and and I was like, oh look, there's openings. Yeah. <laughs> there's poetry events, yeah, yeah. and there's this and there's that. And before I was plotted on ends. Or like skating or graphing or something like that. I was plotted yeah. looking after a line. But how, I mean, we all, we've all went to art school here and it's, you know, it's quite a diverse um, group of people that, that study art, but you're not normally in there with someone who's just done um, three years for armed robbery. You know, there's a lot of sort of naive, slightly wet behind the ears, provincial was, kids. Who are, you but know, I think it's actually how, quite... How did you, I was working a lot with like the letters that I received while I was inside. And I sort of pasted up loads of them in this like sort of little cupboard. 
and like this this girl's gone in the cupboard and uh, like you know had like So this was this was a this was mine. A, this was a blind source, so right, like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's gone into the cupboard and she's going in and she's come out she's like hard to me and she's like and that like, people were like half jealous of me from my experience and I was yeah, like your life you try it mate like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like you like you really wouldn't want to do that but it, it, it did give me a bit of an it advantage. Gives you a constant edge you know, Why, what advantage did it give you that's interesting well, because of a lot of, like you say a lot of these people they'd never even lived out of home I was registered homeless at 15 bro if I was on road right. like, do you know what I'm saying I'd seen a lot like by the time I went to prison and all of that stuff I didn't talk about until I came out of prison yeah. and I was like this is really rich material mm. and this is something that I need to like you know really examine and for my own benefit you know for my own mental health yeah you know and it was it was it was mad it was, but it was just a playground like it was just an utter playground Kids. for me but, like, it was just so fun yeah but the I whole bet. of London was then because before I, I was I didn't see London as London I see it as ends you know mm. what I'm saying? I was just in ends. Where's that fishbowl mentality? You know what I mean? Yeah. So what year was this then? Well, I jumped on road in 2001, and then, and then I got banged up 2007, and then I came out 2010. And um, when I came out 2010, yeah. mate, I was living in Holland Park. Do you know what I mean? I was like living nice. I mm. had money in that. And then I then there, then I went to art school, and like people were drinking scrumpy jacks out of the can in the street. <laughs> and I was like, I do not this away, but I'm dying. Like, before that, I was drinking a bottle of Stella, and they wouldn't even drink out of a can. Yeah, it, was like, yeah. it, was, it was looked upon as being like muggy, yeah. which, is, which is muggy itself, but that was how of it course, was. Of course, but it's a, it's a very different culture, you know. It's, um, yeah, for real. Did you, did you use then your, inspir- your, like, your past to rehabilitate yourself in a sense? It's like an interesting ways. word, that rehabilitate word. Yeah. It's, you know, because there is no re, because I was always the bad crowd. Yeah, so how can I read anything that never happened before? It's, I habilitated myself. I became normal or normal. I, I realized that people were connected to each other. Before that, it was a pound note to me. Before, you know, unless you was a civilian, I'd drop food on you and I'd know that you wouldn't be able to pay me back, but I wouldn't mind because I'd bang on your door and I'd get the money. That's the kind of evil mentality that I had. Right. You know, and then I, then I had this spiritual awakening or whatever where I realized if I hurt you, then I'm hurting me. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the, you know, that's the permeation that I, I hope to put out now. So you're saying you were broken when you went in? I was saying I was, I was never, I was never, I was just never like, you know, I was a shy kid growing up, but I was never, you know, I was always crooked as a nine bob nut, put it that way. So how can you, how can you, how can you, how can you heal from, how can you heal from something that, you know, you were never, you, it was never okay anyway. Right. You know, it, it was never okay. Like, life was always a struggle. Yeah. Not through anybody. So that was your constant, it wasn't like you were good kid turned bad. Rehabilitated. I was, no, I was, I was, I was a shy kid at first, but then when, like I say, when I just, when I sort of grew up here, you know, I, I was just like the rest of my mob, like, yeah. And we were just always, you know, we was always, you know, they'd invite us to parties and that, but just so that they could buy drugs off us, and that was it. Yeah. They wouldn't let us in. You know. Did you feel like you had an epiphany then? In that I had, a, I had a massive epiphany yeah. because of, I got caught, I got caught coming through on a, with something on a visit, and then they put me on. Um, Closed visits, so and then my mum came and visited me. And I remember it, clear as day. And uh, you know, like when you see in the films, the American films where they got the glass, yeah, they put me on them visits because of I got clocked. And because um, when I went, to, when I first went to jail, I was still rogue, I was still on that mentality. I was yeah, still like, yeah. I want to make money, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, on making money in jail, like I was I wanted to sell phones, I wanted to sell this and that, yeah. And then when I saw my mum just like break down and just cry, cry in front of me for 45 minutes straight. And all you want to do is like hold her, say, "Mum, it's all right." That was when I was, and then, and then, 
at that same point was when they asked me to do these these graffiti pieces for them. And I thought, right. wow, maybe I can actually do something with this art stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm growing up, you know, oh, you want to make art? Yeah, you're a sausage, bro. Like, you're only yeah. going to make money when you <laughs> die. And it's like, you know, I was, I'm lucky I didn't die when I was on the gangster thing. Yeah. But that, that was the kind of, you know, who, 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 who's an artist? Van Gogh. Like, or, you know, it's not, you know, that's the kind of, yeah. you know, we never heard of Tracy Emin or anything like that when we was growing up. No, it wasn't yeah. like that. Maybe like you'd, you'd, you'd hear a bit of filth like your mummy reading Daniel Still, mm. but that was about it. Years later, you started, you know, saying work to Jeremy Dello and stuff like that, or being sort of mentored in a way. Yeah. Um, how did stuff like that come about? How did the sort of the table well, and stuff come about? Well, the, the I started working with Jeremy um, because I was when I was in prison. There's a charity called the Kersler Trust which is an arts by offender trust. Um, Arthur Kersler was a, you know, he was a political prisoner and right. he was the champion of, even if you're banged up, then you should at least have a pencil and paper so that you can write your thoughts down. Yeah. And there, there's this, you know, every year they have a show at South Bank. I submitted some poetry and some artwork to them, which I got an award for and then I became, and then when I came out, I had a mentor through them. Yeah. It was another great artist. And then I became the arts worker for them, um, and I, I went to Venice Biennale through that as well with Jeremy, and then and now yeah. now I judge the awards with them, right? Which is a, which is a quite a nice um, progression. Serendipity, you know, it, right. it all sort of things kind of felt felt fell into place, and I always believed that there was like a guardian angel, and then my friend said, you know what, God's bullshit. Like, yeah, it's just in you, right? It's just in you. The universe. Found its way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We found our way. Yeah. You know, like we are one in the unit. You know what I mean? We are one, innit? Did you fuck, did you pick up and try to help out others? Going always. The same? Always. Always. Well, this I, is like, something you do now, isn't yes. it? The, the, the you go back to prison. I've I've worked in prisons. I, I've you know I've, I've yeah I've done a lot of work in prisons. I work with like gang members now. I do a lot. Of, I do a lot of stuff with even my people that I, you know that I grew up with. I've always tried to like put people on and because of that I don't want to I don't want to get fat on my own you know yeah. when, when when if I win we win you know mm. that biggie smaller shit straight up yeah like, why I don't want to be I don't want to you know because you're alone at the top unless you've got yeah. your people right and I ain't at the top or nothing like that I'm not saying it's like that, but that's the aim isn't it a rare thing you know we live in a culture of sort of individualism and everyone's kind of looking out for themselves particularly in the art world yeah everyone's out for themselves there's more snakes in the art world than there is on road. I tell you now. I tell you now. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather be standing next to some of my like tuppies yeah, yeah. than 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 some curator that sniffs coke with the right person. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's very true. It's very true. It's very true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. No, no, they'll leave you for dust. Yeah. Well, it's a, you know, it's a it's a culture of sort of art being commodified. You know, it's a, it's mm. a money thing. You know, and when there's large amounts of money involved, people can be very very dishonest and. Underhanded, yeah. yeah, I mean, but that's kind of like a lot of the practice of the sort of culture meeting stuff that I do where I assemble, like sort of live and talk about it and, and invite people to contribute and then sort of mm. deal with like how objects hold memory and like how we can fetishize them and give them like this supernatural uh, power. Uh, what means one thing to me means one thing to you, and then we can learn about each other. 
that has kind of been a bit hard for me to make money off because if you don't have, like one of the rules is there's no fixatives. So if I make an yeah. assisted ready-made with no fixatives, you, you know, and a lot of things break, a lot of things fall down, and you know, you try selling that to but someone. But there's a sort of purity to that. Yeah. Because you can't, it's not doing a painting that you can potentially sell so. for well, I, X I, amount of money, you know, it's, it's an experience. So you're doing it, oh wait, I, yeah, it seems like you're doing it for something more than yeah, which, which all artists would probably profess to be doing for something more than money, but a lot of times, no, a lot of times it's rubbish. Yeah, a lot of times it is rubbish. A lot of, you know, it's, it's okay to like always be on the same vein and the same energy and whatnot, but people just regurgitate the same idea over and over again, and it just gets a bit boring because of you know. If you but if you make a pound up off it, then you know you can't yeah. blame someone. But this is why artists stagnate. You know, they yeah. get something that makes money and they run. Were you trying to? I mean, I still can't, I haven't seen any of the artwork. I'm, I'm still fascinated on the prison flakes, man. <laughs> well, listen, yeah, yeah. Lally has been working on this, on a documentary in Burkina Faso about um, yeah. no, prisoners, yes, in, yeah. prisoners in a prison in Burkina Faso being taught dance as a means of rehabilitation. So I suppose it's kind of similar. So I, I, I live in Peru, okay. right? Been there for 10 years. I, I do like social documentaries and I've been to various prisons. First time I'm doing a story in Africa, and I, it, I've just been parachuted, dropped into this place, like trying to speak French and working with this dancer has got this amazing project in, inside this prison, right? And he, he's been doing, he's been teaching them dance. And it's because the prisoner sent him a letter and said, can you please kind of like teach us how to dance? And he, oh, and right. he came That's in. Prisoners reached out. They, they reached out to him, and then he's, so he's doing this, this lesson with them, and it, it really has transformed them. It's, like, it's not one on one. Is it, is no, it's a group. It's a group, like 15 dancers. Is this, this is male prisoners. Male prisoners, and their conditions inside there are like, fucking dank. And that, we're not allowed to go see that. I saw it, I mean, I, I got to see it, but we're not allowed to film it. Uh, and we're talking about Are people sleeping, sleep, no, it's sleeping like... It's a security like, breach, man. Mm. They could yeah, escape yeah. if they got material like that, you know, just, you could sort of pattern it up. It's more like the prison director doesn't want us to show, show the reality oh, yeah. of the conditions inside, you know. People sleeping like body next to body kind of thing. And so this, this, this uh, dance therapy group is a, is a taste of freedom. For real, it's a yeah. taste of like, and it really is, and he brings this whole spiritual side to dancing. He's talking about, you know, feel the heaven when you breach the sky, that kind of, you know, and saying they're loving him, they see him, and they're seeing him as like a godly figure, and they say that. Right. But the whole story... Does he get off on that? No, he's amazing. I mean, Burkina Faso is like a dirt poor place, but he's actually been able to travel the world through dance, and he's saying, look, dancing can actually give you an alternative... Uh, profession, like you don't have to be crooks, you so don't have to be a prostitute. Yeah, and he's and he's, so he's you know revindicating dance and you know and, and saying you, you guys can travel the world just like I did, like just like I am. And, you know, I'm not earning any money out of this, but I want to just give you that chance. And if it's not dancing, let it can be some other art form. Yeah, for real. And is, so, is, yeah. it, is, it, is it a sponsor? You say he's not earning money, but it's costing someone something. Who's sponsoring that? I mean, right now we're sponsoring because we're making a documentary. Right. Yeah. And, and so actually, the story right now is that he wants to try to do a performance outside of the prison right. for the first time. So the whole tension is building towards is will he be able to get these prisoners out? Will they escape? What's happening? You know? So and so, is, 
So that's the next time I'm going, that's we're gonna do the performance. Well, I wanna come with you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. But I mean, so, and it's interesting because you were talking about this idea of how, like, uh, rehabilitation is like, well, they were never habilitated in the first place, right? Yeah. And so and the other word is like social reintegration. Like, mm. what do you think of that term? Well, how, 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 when you were never included, how can you be integrated again? You mm. know, if you always or felt you, yeah, how can you know you weren't? If you always felt that you was an outsider anyway, if you always felt you was at the bottom of the barrel, mm. how can how can you sort of you know come into this idea of you know being a pillar of society or whatever you want to call it? Doesn't really work like that. And prisons, you can judge you can judge a society on their prison system, and the, the British prison system is. You know, it's, it's not bad, but it's not it's not progressive at all. You know, we're building prisons while in Scandinavia they're closing prisons because right. they're doing like, re, like uh, restorative justice, where you where you see you see you see like the person who you upset, and you know you you, you make amends and you you, you deal with archaeology or your offending mm-hmm. behaviour. Why did you do that? Yeah. Not not being banged up and you know and not, not not throwing away yeah. a key. There's no uh, this idea of prison being like a rehabilitation kind of place yeah. is not true. I suppose it's you not know, you're true. saying that um, if you've always felt like an outsider, this going to prison sort of exacerbates that. It's not going to make well, yeah. more parts even of school, Even schools, going to schools, getting expelled from schools, going to referral units, getting expelled from referral units. All it did was prep me for prison. Yeah. You know, that's all it did for me. You know, I was a, I was an intelligent kid. You know, I, I did six, I got six GCSEs. Shouts to my mom. Uh, I got I got six C's, and that was that was like the highest grade they'd ever had in the school I was in. It wasn't really a school, but yeah. You know, it was just a madass, and it, it was never sort of. And you know, you you've got to think a lot of these young people that you know, especially the ones I work with, they don't even think that they're going to see tomorrow. Mm. They don't have an idea of consequence. Just like I did, and it's it's kind of mad in a selfish sense. Like I do, I do the work I do in the, in the art that I make, just to keep it prevalent in my mind. So I don't forget how bad things were, like how bad things were mm. before, and and that's kind of you know, it's, I'm getting just as much out as it, as anybody else yeah. that I'm working with because you know I have farms in it. Do you don't think I still get calls like saying, "Yo, I got this," and "I oh, want to do this," and yeah. st- ten years later, I've been out of jail for ten years, and I still get phone calls saying, "You look like," and you know, it's, and it's not. These are people that think they're doing me a favour. Yeah, you know, and it's not. It's not easy sometimes. Do you get dissed for having a different opinion then? Like did for leading this different. No, really, no, man. My, my people, you know, I, you know, I, I, like, the same way that I work with. Anybody that I work with, I always try to provide like, an alternative path because, mm. and you know, some of like the people closest to me in my life, they might not be living right, but you know, I don't, you can't judge a man on his illest deeds, and mm. you know, you do the wrong thing for the right reason, the right thing for the wrong reason, but a lot of it's money driven, and you know, if you if you do crime, then you you better be making money because that's the only thing that's gonna give you any validation. Yeah, you know, I mean, to have that watch, to have that car, to have that bottle, you know, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't give you any enrichment inside. But what's the point? Why, why are you going to be walking around with demons on your shoulders if, unless, unless you're getting money? They sort of come comes to the point people getting huge jail terms for graffiti, which is, which is uh, ridiculous. An activity where you don't make any money, it costs you money. Yeah. If anything, you know? yeah. Because the thing is, you see a rapist get a four year sentence, you see a graffiti artist get a four year sentence, yeah. but they can quantify the damage. 
yeah? yeah. But they can't quantify the damage to someone's internal. Yeah, yeah. They can't quantify the damage to the panels on the, on the LU. They can't quantify the damage to someone. And that, that you know, that, 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 that really, yeah. really, really so, upsets me. From 15, I was like a career crook, yeah? So, you know, I've, you know I was on that gangster mentality. Like, mm. It was all bullshit, whatever. But although would nick me for graphing, they 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 wait they wait they wait and they wait and they wait they, wait, they, wait. they wouldn't even nick me for drugs like yeah. half the time unless I had bear like they wouldn't yeah, nick yeah, me yeah. for pussy or anything yeah. like that no way they wouldn't bother they didn't want to get me properly they come yeah, and see you know what I mean they come into the supermarket when I'm chilling with my mom like what watch are you wearing this week Mr Costi and all that and it's like who's well, that like you know but that's how that's you know you develop a relationship with your yeah. if you if you, yeah. you, know, you get to know them innit? they and they recognise all your tags they yeah they they, well, they knew my street name. Yeah. And that was that was the time, and they didn't give a shit about me writing for you. That's fuck all. Yeah. He's writing for you, and I ain't doing the other shit. You know what I'm saying? If I'm writing draft, then they'll be like, "Phew, at least we ain't got some nut running around with a gun." B22 is um, studios and a gallery in East London. There's a few. Um, they got a few now. Yeah, a few, but and they do this thing every year, which is Young London, which is. Um, showcases sort of emerging artists and stuff like that and this year Johnny's, Johnny's involved in that and he's been selected along with 20 or so other artists that like that. 20, yeah, 20 show up in yeah. September so, you, so you're doing the, the program I'm time. doing the pentathlon so it's, we're going to be playing money up the ball which is penny up the wall yeah, 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 yeah. so you know money up the wall for a £10 bet whatever you want to do there'll be a buy-in right um, and then we're going to be playing. We're going to be playing Kirby or Curbsy, depending on what side of the flash yeah, you're yeah. from. Um, so I'm going to be installing like curbs in the gallery. Yeah. I'm going to be throwing the balls to and fro. Then we're going to be playing Nutmeg Rush with, yeah. with a crusty Stellacan. So this um, one. And then we're going to be playing um, Pat Ball with a ball yeah. tennis ball. And then we're going to be playing, you know, this game. Ball good game. So I'm going to be designing like armbands, so if you're down for the game, got a sign of disclaimer, they're going to be wearing an armband. So just for the listeners, um, it's the game where you make a circle with your thumb and your index finger and put it below the waist, and if someone looks at it, they get a like, punch in the arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great game. Great game. <laughs> and yeah, and so I'm going to be designing like a court and stuff like that. Um, and like having tournaments, designing trophies, and the people who whoever wins is going to take the trophy home. Yeah. We've got a rule book and stuff like that that you can examine, and there's going to be like, the, you know, and then so, so you know, you're going to have the, the disclaimer is going to be like something you can take away as well. If you sign it, then you take that away with you, and you've got a piece of art for yourself. Right. It might not look great, but you know, it's, 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 it's a memento. Yeah. You know, I always think that it's good. I always, want, I always want there to be some kind of exchange within anything that I make. I want people to come in and share, yeah. you know, rather, than, rather than look at something and be like, oh, that's nice. Mm. Right. Take a so it's a sort of more of an immersive experience. Yeah, that's that's what it, that's what it's always going to be about for me. I think uh, I don't really, I'm not really, I don't, I don't really want to make stuff that looks cool. So will you be present throughout the, the run? Of I the will show? be, and so will my cousins. Yeah, in that yeah, right, don't yeah. worry about yeah, that. Yeah. It's going to be mad. That. It's going to be mad. Trust me, that. It's going to be. There's going to be a bag of bag of goons. Remember, yeah, a few years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fill us in a bit on that, I don't know anything about that. 
So I've been I've been working with like sort of um, sort of at-risk young people in in, uh, in London for a little while, and a lot of the people that I work with they go country. Like this is, so they go, they go, they go out of ends yeah. to sell drugs. Yeah, yeah. Some of them disappear for like two weeks at a time. They'll be set up somewhere. Yeah, they'll, they'll, have, they'll have a trap yeah, somewhere, yeah, yeah. and you know they'll, they'll be they'll be doing their thing. And, and some of these kids are as young as twelve, and you know some of them are making sort of conscious decisions to do that. But I want to, you know, I'm basing it on you know like the Warriors, you know, from the Warriors. Yeah. Like the Warriors is based on like the Ulysses Odyssey yeah. as well. So you know, there's only X amount of stories to be told, but we're just like you know recontextualizing mm-hmm. it to give them a voice. So I've been working like every week in the field with these, with these young people, sort of formulating the script, and then throughout this summer I'm going to be sort of going to the more sort of hardcore people that are active who don't want to be seen or, or like even like seen in a room with anybody. Where I'm going to be sort of dealing with like the sort of like real stuff that happens when when you're in like the team and um, it's gonna it's you know it's, it's kind of like hot shit right now as well and a lot of the kids that I'm working with man they they just they just think it's grassy they're just like no nah, no snitching no snitching no right. snitching <clears throat> and you just think right these kids are just sitting in some like heroin addict's house for two weeks and their moms don't know where they are and, mm-hmm. and, and and the police in say the police in Colchester or the police in Swansea mm-hmm. or wherever wherever the hell they go, they don't know them. And they say if they get nicked up there, the police, the Met don't know that they've been nicked up there so they have to answer bail up there, so then there's not sort of a and I ain't really you know, I ain't really down the police like that, but it's kinda of, it's kinda of, for some young people who are being you know, the, 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 there's been cases of modern slavery, they're, yeah. they're bringing in new laws about modern slavery and stuff like that. So that's wrong, in it, and that's that's where I do believe that the police should, should be involved. If someone's being abused and, and taking advantage of this yeah. vulnerable person, then someone needs to do something about that. And you know, that's kind of that's kind of the thing that we want to bring to that attention, isn't it? And and also while I'm doing that, I'm sort of matching them up with I'm finding their skill sets and where they're good at, and then bringing them into that industry professionals to give them master classes to give them just possibilities yeah. of going into you know the creative industries because. You know, 99% of the kids that I, I, I went to units with and went to prison with and worked with now, it's not that they're bad, it's that they've got a lot of energy and, you know, the, the main, mainstream education is, is you know, it's is got even less resources now. They, they, can't, they can't cater for them and so therefore they don't know how to manifest their energy, their energy you know what I'm saying? So yeah. they, need, they need this idea of, okay, it's okay to be hyped. It's okay to be happy, because you know what, they told me to sit down and shut up and fed me dollars a pound from the age of 13. Yeah, right. but then I went to Arsenal and I was bouncing off the ceiling and they loved it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it needs so, to be channeled. Yeah, it needs to be well, channeled. Well, right yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, you know, you, you say, I, I mean, I, I, you're, you're in, inspired to do a musical yeah. from their stories. Yeah, well, you know, it's gonna, you know, it's a play, but then it's gonna be like rapping, and there's gonna, be, you know, there's, see how like you know. And then will they perform in the music? These kids. A lot of them probably won't, and a lot, you know, I'll, uh, there's, you know, it's a ninety percent chance I'm gonna lose my lead because they're gonna go to country, like yeah. right, flat on opening night. They'll, they'll fuck off to. So it's a very so, volatile thing. Always so in that, right now, I'm focusing on the script, getting the script done, and then if we need to get actors, then we get actors, and then hopefully we can tour in prisons and schools and. The, the guys that you're talking to at the minute, have they come through a charity of? For some sort of party. I'm, I'm a targeted youth worker, so I, I, I work with, you know. A, a do they already come in 
To be honest, a lot of them they only come there because of if they don't come there, they won't get a good character reference when they go to court because they've all got, okay. they've all got cases pending. Right. So if they didn't come there, then then, then they wouldn't get a good so sort of condition. It is a bit, yeah. But then I would, you know, yeah. last Wednesday was the England game, and it's like. I don't, I don't want to be there. Yeah, I'm yeah. being paid and I don't want to be there. You know, you sort of understand that. Like, you know, yeah. 15 year old kids don't want to be sitting indoors for yeah. like two hours talking about the shit you've been living outside. Is there, is there anyone within that group of people you're speaking to at the moment who genuinely bitter, you know, taking it on board and yeah. are actively coming to you to, to progress yeah. Yeah, rather than is, provide you with the information? There is. There is. I mean, there's some that sort of, you know, and, and a lot of it's just down to like giving them time to speak and chill and not have to worry about the road and there's there's some people that I'm like, you wanna do this, look, I can I can hook you up with the right person that's gonna help you out. But you need to show me that you're committed. And you know, and some of them do take it on board. Well, especially when you say, look, well, I'm a jail for armed robbery, bro, blah, 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 and you know, I go in there like normal and they just think, oh, who's this any guy? Mm. And then I start chatting to them and then I, and, you know, and then I see you know I see who they're messing with and you know, after the time I know the kids they're messing with anyway and they sort of realise that I'm not I didn't read it in a book, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I learned it the same way they're learning it and if I can if I can sort of stop just any one of them from, from having to having to learn the hard way then you know that's a success. Transform lives of people and have an immediate effect on the direct surroundings. 
when that becomes the done thing, and that's when we've like really ascended and we're really caring about each other. When we're, when we're hanging paintings over each other's beds, I mean, that, you know, it's, it, there, are, there are people that make art and then there are, you know, then there are like, I don't know, am I an artist, am I a social, am I a social worker, am I a facilitator, am I, you know, I'm, I, it's kind of a hard mm. thing to describe. But then the, the guy that's, you know, doing the same painting he's been doing for 15 years and he's making a lot more money than me, is he an artist? I wouldn't even call him an artist. Yeah. Or an artist. I wouldn't say yeah, dead. There's sort of room to, no, to make all these things more artistic practice. I mean, someone like Theasta Gates, the American artist, has all these um, socially engaged and socially aware projects, you know, sort of um, buying disused buildings in Chicago, making them sort of community um, buildings and stuff. And it's all part and parcel of his creative practice. So now we have, there are so many options within arts that you can make it all one practice it's not just like i'm a painter but i do this as well you know because yeah. tie it into I think, that's, I think it's i think it's very important to be dexterous you know i just want to make something good right in every way possible and just sort of even if i just tap out and just be like i'm disputed i don't mind if i make a banging track if i make a banging painting if i make a banging sculpture if i make, if I make a banging film but a lot of the time there's going to within the artwork that I make, sort of in a gallery setting, it's going to be a space that you come into where I've considered the interior design of it. I've considered, you know, the, the, there's paintings on the wall and there's sculptures hanging out and then there's poems going on and then there's films happening, but those things that I wouldn't think that they'd, they'd stand alone. I wouldn't, put a, I wouldn't put a painting there and say, oh, that's art. It's like an album, you know? Mm -hmm. like, so you've got this, that, and this, and it's, and it's, just, it's, just, it's about the space. And I think when you come into a space, that's, and if it doesn't even talk to you, you know, even like Rothko, like, you know, when they had the, the Rothko room and the, the lights down a bit, mm. that kind of thing, like, it's like, wow, okay, they've actually thought about this a bit. And, you know, it's, it's great for, like, mood control, but... There, there are business deal companies at the moment that are kind of curating these performance-led events. I think that's cool. I mean, I guess it's, 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 it, that's it's, history, isn't it? Yeah, but it's in vogue. It's very, very yeah. fashionable. It's making people... I really, I really like to have a restaurant where we de uh, we deliver food like with synchronized swimmers. <laughs> um, I think that that go down the street is really challenging. It's kind of easy to do that, isn't it? Like it's kind of it's a bit easy and is it in, and it's, it's gimmicky, you know? Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's got a gimmick, whereas art should be more sacred than that. So that's the end of our chat with Mr. Costi. Again, thanks a bunch for listening. I uh, really hope you enjoyed it. As I said earlier, hopefully this will be the first of many podcasts to come. If you want more information, you can find us on Instagram at artproofpodcast and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash artproofpodcast. Also, if you want to get hold of us um, for any reason, maybe to complain or to tell us how brilliant we are, you can contact us at artproofpodcast at gmail.com.